Two well-worn bills arrived at the Federal Reserve Bank to be retired. A 20 and a 1. As they traveled down the conveyor belt, they struck up a conversation. The 20 reminisced about the interesting life he had had, traveling all over the country. I've been to the finest restaurants, Broadway shows, Las Vegas, Atlantic City, he said. I even went on a Caribbean cruise. Where have you been to the one? Oh, said the one dollar bill, I've been to the Methodist church, the Baptist church, and the Pentecostal church. And he said, he asked the 20, he said, the 20 asked him, he said, what's a church? What's a church? I wanted to start out with something light in this uh, Bethel. Pastor's been, been preaching the last couple Sundays on giving. And let's be honest, it's an awkward topic. But as I was talking to pastor and he asked me what I take a Sunday and do, maybe some more of the application of that, I, would be glad, I told him I'd be glad to. And as I sat and started to study the scriptures, and pastor could tell you this, brother, Pastor Michael, Brother Dan, people who, who teach, and Brother Wallace who teach and preach God's word can tell you that some things you really have to dig in on. Giving and stewardship and material is not one of them. There is abundance of scripture about our stewardship and how we should handle money and possessions and the thing that uh, God has given us. 2,350 verses on giving and, and, and stewardship. Jesus said more about giving and finances than he did about heaven and hell. So it's a pretty important topic, but it does get awkward. It does get awkward. I heard one pastor say it this way, and this is true. Money is an explosive issue. It is. I have seen in 28 years I spent in law enforcement, I can tell you that the vast majority of crime centered around money. To include homicide. Typically somebody owed somebody some money, and it cost them their life. How many of us have seen before, and this is a sad state, but we've all seen it, someone passes away, there's some money involved, and families are fighting over it before the body's cold. It happens. It's explosive. And I think that's likely why Christ spoke so much about it. But this morning, I want to deal with this. I want to keep it light. I want you to laugh a little bit. I'm going to say some things, some, some things about myself that you may find funny. But I want us to start taking our finances and how we approach our money seriously. Because God takes it seriously. So let me pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to come and share your holy word. I just thank you for the spirit that's been here already. It makes it easy to, to minister your word, God, when you've prepared the hearts through the ministry of your spirit. So, God, I ask for your anointing. I ask that uh, my words would be your words, not mine. And I ask that something I say, God, there's never a time I don't stand here that I've searched your word that it hasn't first challenged me and pricked my heart. So I pray, Lord, that it'll go forward. And, and I know that it will. It always accomplishes what you have for it to accomplish. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you will, you should have an outline. Does, does anyone not have an outline? If you don't, Brother Steve, we'll get you one. And if you look at the introduction, it says the topic of money and stewardship is always an awkward in the church. However, you can't study the scriptures and not know that the Bible gives clear direction and command in both areas. However, this is the most frequent area that church pastors and leaders are often criticized. How many times have we all heard, all that church wants is my money? Who's here has heard somebody say that before? Okay. Who in here has said that? No, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But I've been around Pastor and Sister Carol in this church long enough to know that wouldn't be true if you said that anyway. They take a very balanced approach to giving. It is a command. 
I've even heard tell, and I've never experienced this, but I've heard tell of church leaders ask people to see their tax returns. They want to see if they're tithing. I think that's too much. But I do think one of the main things that we should do as followers of Christ is challenge each other. And we have different groups. We have different people we feel more comfortable with. And so I want to challenge you today, if, if finances is an area that you struggle in, to find someone within the church that you feel comfortable with and get some advice. Get some advice. I, I hear so many people that do some things, and I, wish, I say, I wish they would have talked to someone before they did that. But it, it can be an embarrassing topic, but it is, it is one of the biggest calls of the church is to encourage and build each other up, including in the area of finances. What the church really wants is for us all to submit every, every area of our lives to the Lordship of Christ, and that includes what is the most important to us, our money. And I think if we're honest, we, I told you it's explosive, and it would be explosive to you. I don't know if it's been time somebody owed you some money, but when somebody owes you some money or you lose some money in something, your first thing is to bow up and say, but give my money. It's an explosive issue. So we're going to look at some, some very practical, I'll call these a thousand-foot view uh, principles of, of money and managing it and making it. If you're interested, and we've got a lot going on at our church, folks, so I don't, I don't want to, to put this in place yet until we see the interest, but there's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer. If you're interested in at some point in the future us doing a small group around finances and money where we can really get into weeds of some of this, not just me, you're going to hear from some other people this morning, but not just me, but you would like to come in and let's talk a little bit about more, in more detail about some of these things we're going to talk about today. Maybe you have some specific questions. Uh, myself... Brother Michael, Sister Christy, we've talked about facilitating a small group. So if you'd like around finances, so if you'd like to be a part of that, just put your name on that sign-up sheet. If we see that there's enough interest, we'll work on that, try to work that in around some of the other things that we have going on. But it will be back in the foyer on the Welcome Center. And keep in mind that some of the things that I'll talk about this morning, they work in 21st century America in our capitalistic economy. Now, I've heard pastors say this before. He said a lot of things I've never forgot, but he said this several years ago, and I never forgot it. Whatever you preach, better preach around the world. Okay, I can't go to Haiti, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, and, and preach some or teach some of these, these things here to, on application to them. It's a very different area and economy. But the idea of the, of the heart condition to give preaches around the world. Because what you give really isn't a, a financial issue, it's a heart issue. It is a heart issue, and that preaches around the world. But how we manage and what we do with our money and our stewardship here applies to us in 21st century America and our capitalistic economy. First, the blessing of work. Work was ordained by God for men. I think so many times and too many times people think that, the, that work was part of the curse. It was not. Work was ordained before the fall. If you look at Genesis 2.15, it says this. It says, then the... The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So when God created Adam, he put him in that garden. He said, he said Adam, here's this garden. I want you to take care of it. I want you to work it. That's what he did. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that because of that, there's something inherent in particularly a man that should work, that has a desire to work. And I know that out in the political landscape today, there's this idea of a guaranteed income, whether you work or not, and we're just going to give you money. And I know that sounds good, but that's economically disastrous and it's spiritually disastrous. 
because we see once again that man is trying to take and institute his ideas, his plans against what God has ordained. And God ordained a man to work. And so this idea of I'm going to stay home and somebody else is going to take care of me, the government's going to take care of me, that's going to be financially, spiritually, and economically disastrous. And I thank God for our social safety networks here. I'm glad that we're a country who take care of people. You're looking at someone, and I can tell you the same is true of my wife, Tammy. You're looking at a, a couple who watched their parents go on public assistance. It was a very difficult time. My dad lost his job. Her dad had a, a major back surgery. My family struggled financially. A lot of how I've managed my money and the things I've done is done because I watched some of the things my mom and dad had to go through. And I thank God for that. But, but what I saw in my father was two things. It, it, it got us through a rough time and he got a job. And number two, I watched him give through it all. I watched him trust God and give through that, through that hard, hard time. And I never forgot it. And I never, never forgot it. But it is ordained by man. Church, your job that you work in is your, is your primary source of wealth. If you're going to build any wealth or have any money in our society today, it's going to come from your job. Now, later on in life, whether there's retirement or you've invested well, you might be able to live off those things. But as you, and and as, I, as I speak today, I'm going to be talking a lot to young people. So if you're here today and you're 25 and under, please listen to some of the things I'll say today. But it's going to come from your income. That's where you're going to start generating wealth is from your income. And don't misunderstand me when I talk about I know we have many women who don't work outside the home. They work hard inside that home. I want you to know that. Staying home, we have some homeschoolers today, we have some people who want to stay home, be it stay-at-home moms, take care of their children. That's a very, very, very difficult job. And I thank God for that. What if you're, what if you're retired like me? What if you're retired? Then find some. You know how many volunteer organizations there are out there that are begging for people like you that want you to come in, particularly Christian organizations that can use to help? Find something to keep your hands busy, to keep you out of trouble. It'll keep you out of trouble. God has ordained work. And it's still expected among believers today. Look at Proverbs 10 and 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now, whenever we see a scripture that says rich, I think if we're not careful, the first thing we do is go, Woo, I'm glad that don't apply to me because I'm not rich. And we all do that. It, 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 the Bible uses that term so much about rich, and it uses it a lot of times in negative. It is hard for a wealthy person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so the first thing we do is we disclaim ourselves from that. That does not apply to me. Church, it does apply to you. Yes. We are the wealthiest. This nation is as wealthiest as it's ever been in any time in history. If your household income is more than $10,000 annually, you are wealthier than 84% of the world. The poor in America are wealthier than 70% of the rest of the world. And God's words and God's principles and what he expects out of his people is not just for America, it's for the world. So when we look at where we stand right now in, in 21st century America, we, you, everybody in this sanctuary is considered rich. So every time you see those, those words, they apply to you and they apply to me. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says this. And this is Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica. He said, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Now that's, that's pretty serious. Paul said, Hey, if you're not going to go out and work, then you don't eat. We don't see that concept in our nation today. 
But that's a spiritual concept. It just says, listen, you should get out and work and make your way. And Paul did that many times. He had to, he had to get out and work. He was a tent maker and, and to make, make his way. And then many times he depended on the church to give. But he was prepared to go and make his way. And we should be too. Next, we must keep a good work-life-faith balance. You've also heard pastors say that life is about balance. And it is about balance. You've got to find a way to balance your work life, your home life, and your faith life. You don't want to be a workaholic. You don't want to get in there working all the time. It, sometimes, sometimes you may choose to work a second job. Most of my career had a lot of time off. I worked a second job. There's many in this church that work a second job. And what I, advice I would give to anyone pursuing a second job is this, and it's the advice that was given to me as a young officer, and it's the advice I was able to give later on in a career. Don't let that second job, don't let that second job, your lifestyle get dependent on it. Don't have a house that, de- that, that depends on that, a car payment that depends on that. If it's, to, if it's to enhance your quality of life a little, or if, certainly if it's to get you out of a financial mess, okay. But let the Holy Spirit, see the Holy Spirit, if you're, if you're a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, he's a counselor. He's going to guide you in a lot of these things. And I've spoken to lots, I don't say hundreds, but lots of people that, that have told me the Holy Spirit clearly impressed upon them things to do and not do when it comes to their to managing their finances. But let God speak to you. Make sure that you don't get that out of balance. And one thing I want to mention in this before I move on to the next part is we, we're in a very techni- technical society today. The medical field, uh, computers, software development, all these things, you, you see all these things happening. And many of those things, and we encourage people to go out and get their education, their four-year degree, and we should. But I want to say this. If you're a type of person, you're a young person, you're coming up, and you know, look, college just isn't for me. Get that high school education. But I, how many of you know who Mike Rowe is from Dirty Jobs? Anybody seen him? Okay. It just so happened, I have actually saw an interview with him on Fox News, and then I, I read an article just this month in Money Magazine. I get a subscription to call Money Magazine. If you, it's a very... It's a magazine that's, that's uh, dedicated to uh, very practical approaches to managing money. Not a lot of stock stuff. I don't understand all that stuff. Um, but there was an article in there today, this, uh, this past time, and it says, uh, Dirty Jobs star micro. Want to make six figures? Become a plumber. The American craftsman is dying. It is. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't care how smart you are how good you can build software, you can be a doctor, a lawyer, whatever you want to be, but when your toilet don't flush, you need a plumber. <laughs> and you're going to call a plumber. Right, Jeremy? <laughs> and we got plumbers here, we got mechanics here. Brother Jeremy Walker is a, is a uh, builder f- and does a great job. And these men get out and they work with their hands. And you don't necessarily have to go out and get a big college degree and a bunch of education behind your name to have a good income. You just have to be willing to work and work hard and do a good service and learn something. And that was the whole premise behind this, this story here with Mike Rowe. Man, we gonna, I don't care how technical we get. We need plumbers. We need mechanics. We need electricians. We need heat and air people. And sometimes in our technolo- technological society, we start feeling, well, that's... We, 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 we stereotype those people as kind of somebody who couldn't do anything else. and this. No, no, no. Those are very smart and intelligent people. And they can make good incomes. And if they manage that well, they can have a good life. And many, we have many men in here uh, that can, can testify to that. So don't get caught up in that, that idea. So work. Work is where your money's coming from. 
I know, like I said, there's some cases where people get money for nothing, but, but most of the time your, your income is going to come, your money is going to come from your work. But once you get it, <clears throat> the next big important thing is what do you do with it? How do you manage it? And folks, being, being financial, having financial peace doesn't really have a lot to do with how much money you make. It's how you manage what you make. From, from our real estate business that Tammy and I have now, I have seen people who did not make a lot of money that are very, very financially secure. And I have seen people who made lots of money that are one paycheck from being broke. They just didn't manage it well. And that's where we miss it. That's where we miss it. And so take just a look, look for a moment at number two at the principles of money management. Learn the secret of contentment. Pastor used this scripture last week, and I'm going to read it again. If you look at Philippians 4, 10 through 13, Paul said, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lack nothing. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. I know to be, how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I've learned to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Church, we're, we're living in a society today that's content with nothing. We're not content with our house. We're not content with our car. We're not content with our wife. We're not content with our church. And we just see this. We see the, 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 we see the uh, result of that. If you will learn, if I could say anything to one young person, this is what I said to my children. If you'll learn, one, one translation says to secret. If you'll learn to be secret, content with what God has given you and where you are in life, you can build a financial peace. You can. But you won't, you won't try to keep up with the Joneses. This has been said and it's true. We spend money we don't have to impress people we don't like. And that's true. And we run up credit card debts and we do all these things. I, I, will, I will quote Dave Ramsey a few times through this. I've, I've been to see him a few times and listen to his show a lot. And he says this, and I've been saying it to my boys since they were young. And if, I, if they were here now, I was, if I started it, they could finish it. When you're young, if you'll live like no one else. When you're old, you'll live like no one else. He says that all the time. When you're young, if you'll live like no one else. When you're old, you'll live like no one else. And all that simply means, especially young people, when you're out there, when everybody else has to have the nicest iPhone, the nicest car, the nicest house, the nicest this, and they're stressed to the max, their debt's up here, if you'll say, you know, my phone works fine. Yeah, my car's got 200,000 miles on it, but it drives fine. My clothes, they look fine. And while they're out there spending, 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 when it comes time to late 30s, early 40s, and 50s, and you are financially secure, you're, in, you're not have that stress, you're able to give and give and give, and they're stressed to the max over there. And it's costing them their relationships, it's costing them what God's calling them to do, and it's a trap. Don't get caught in it. Pastor talked about being a wheel. It's a wheel. And I've seen people in it, and it's a miserable wheel to be on. Learn the secret of contentment. You see this shirt right here? This is a Brooks Brothers shirt. This is a, if you go look online, this shirt's $140. Looks nice, don't it? And I know you're probably thinking, so what, Larry? You can afford a $140 shirt. Well, if you know anything about Larry Smith, I ain't paying $140 for no shirt. Okay? This come from my secret closet consignment shop. That's where a lot of my dress shirts come from and a lot of my ties. It's not a matter about what I can afford. I'm not paying that for a shirt. 
I'd rather pay $12, which is what I paid for this one, and take that money and make sure that I've got money saved up and that I can give. Money I can save up and money I can give. I'm not trying to keep up with anybody. I've been called tight. I've been called cheap. I've been called squeaky. I have. Tammy can attest to this. And we both got called recently budget-oriented. I like that one. Budget-oriented. I'll take that. Quite frankly, church, I'll wear every one of those labels. I'd rather wear those any day than wear, than wear this. Struggling financially and broke. I've seen people on that ride. It is not good. Amen. It is not good. And I don't want to see you. I didn't want to see my children there. And I don't want to see any of my brothers and sisters in the Lord on that, on that wheel. And I don't think God wants to see us there. That's why He gives us such clear... His Word gives us clear direction in everything. Including how we manage our money and our finances. Look at B. Learn to live within your means. Budget. If you're here today, and particularly if you've got some financial struggles, you need to be budgeting. You need to have a budget. You need to have a piece of paper where you're writing down every dollar you spend and where your money goes. Most people don't know where their money goes. They get to the end of the month, and like a song used to say, I'd like to take you out, you know, like I said I would, honey, but there's too much month at the end of the money. They get down to the end of the month, and there's more month than there is money. But they have no idea where it's going until you write it down you'll see where it's going and where you can change it to some of the changes and things you need to be made. Right here, I'm going to ask uh, Brother uh, Michael and Sister Christy to come up. I think it's important that you hear from other people at different walks of life and that you see as a church, particularly young people, maybe who you could sit down and talk to. And I've asked them to come up. This is a couple that I've had a chance to talk with some over the years. Wonderful. I think our church is blessed to have them. And, and they are on a, they're on a path to being financially secure, because of how they manage their money. And now it could be because Michael in the ministry is just going to make lots of money. That, that might be part of it too. Right, Pastor? He's going to make lots of money. But I wanted him to just talk to you for just a second about a couple things that they do. Well, I've got to tell you first, our budgeting journey started when Michael decided to ask my father for my hand in marriage. They met at a Chick-fil-A and they sat down together and Michael gave him this whole spiel and my dad said, Michael, if I didn't like you, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> and then toward the end of that conversation, he said, son, I need to see a detailed budget of how you plan on making this work, knowing that he's a youth pastor and I was going to be a public school teacher. Because my daughter is expensive. <laughs> And so it, it is something that that is where our budgeting journey started. Um, and I want to encourage the parents to, your children see you struggle. Your children see how you manage your money well. Um, and, and I saw my parents manage it well. And I, and I want to make sure that we do that for our child as well. Um, but that is how our budgeting journey got started. So if you're like me, and I was a normal college student, I was doing okay, but... If you're saying, like, what's a budget? You know, there's a lot that goes into that. So basically, it's a good question to ask because it forces you to actually look and begin to take responsibility of your finances. And so simply it's this. It's calculating a plan for your money and becoming aware of what you can actually afford. So the way we did it, we started with our take-home pay, which is everything you actually take home, minus taxes and all that, minus 10% of your gross income. Growing up for me personally, I tithed every dollar I had ever received as a child, and I consider this for us at least a non-negotiable baseline of 
where we start when it comes to budgeting. This goes to the local church, and it's the way we begin to look at these kind of things. So again, parents, teach us as to your children as well, because it was truly formational for me that my mom, every time offering passed, that I had a dollar to put in the offering. Just as a young child, it was just something I was, I was naturally accustomed to doing. So again, back to the budget, you take the take-home pay minus t- the tithe on the gross, which is the way we would do it, tithe right off the top, minus all necessary expenses, so you got the mortgage or rent, your utilities, food, gas, insurance, plus any debt. I mean, tithe might be non-negotiable, but all of that is non-negotiable. You have got to, you know, there's certain things that are going to have to happen. So you have necessary expenses, and finally, when you take all that out of that number, you have a number left that you pull personal savings, additional giving, entertainment, and anything else you may want. And now this is the big kind of key that Larry was just hitting on. When it comes to what you want, remember that if you don't have the ability to pay cash for something, you simply just can't afford it. And this is something that can be an adjustment um, to the way you're thinking. I know for us, if it's something that our standard of living couldn't assess, then you'd have to take into account maybe getting a second job, maybe doing some of these things. But typically the wants that we have is something that the standard of living and adjusting that can actually just resolve that completely. You don't have to have the newest thing, whatever that might be. Chris, you'll talk about the second job that she has later and how she got into that. So specifically, personally, we're, as well, we're big fans of Dave Ramsey. Um, we recommend the baby steps for getting out of debt and for money management. Uh, we've used his budgeting percentages as a general rule of thumb and when we first were getting started way back when, and then how much to save. He recommends between 10 to 20%, depending on where you're at in life. And that includes retirement and all these kind of things. Now, specifically, we use his Every Dollar app, which is like $10 a month and you can track every single transaction digitally with a swipe of your finger. And it's something that's very simple to do. Uh, Back when we were first starting, we did this for free with the Mint app. It's not quite as intuitive, but you can do the same things. And finally, the last thing I want to say is men, take the initiative. Men, take the initiative. You might not use all these apps. You might have a different approach. You might prefer pen or paper. But when it comes to this, it's not about controlling the finances, but men, you have to at least initiate the conversation of things. Christy is a lot better not just with money, but of anything that requires organization. I'll give her that. So, but when it comes to digging back in and say, it's been a really long time since we've looked at our budget. Let's, let's look at the app. Let's look at, let's start something fresh that kind of will get our attention. Men, take that approach to start the conversation. Because once you actually start that, maybe then your wife's natural talents will come out and you'll see all that kind of play together. I'll say too that it's important that you're on the same team. You're working together um, to manage this and to steward what God has given you well. Um, as far as the second job thing goes, um, a lot of you know that I have a little side business called Christy Britt Designs where I do some calligraphy for um, people. We've shipped over to 20 different states, which is very exciting. Um, it started out as a passion project and has now turned into a little bit of extra income for us that allows us to do a few things like travel. Um, we can give more. We can pay extra on our mortgage. We can pay for someone's dinner. And that's something that Pastor Don and his and uh, Sister Carol have uh, shown us how important that is to be generous and paying for someone else's meal. Um, it, it allows me to buy some cute clothes that this baby does not need. <laughs> Um, But that is something that has been really great for us. For those of you that may be struggling or in debt, a second job might be something that can help get you out of that so much faster. Uh, It's a lot of hard work. 
I have an eight to five job. I have a 45 minute commute in the morning to carry and, and in the afternoon, obviously I come home. Um, so it might require you to wake up early and it might require you to go to bed late. That work-life balance, work-life faith balance is something I still struggle with. But, um, but God is good and God has given me the ability to do this. And so I might as well, I might as well work for the Lord with my hands, right? Um, so we're thankful and we want to just encourage you to steward that money well, to figure out where it's going, put it on a sheet of paper, put it on your app, and, and let God just guide you in your, in your budgeting experience. I would encourage you young people that sit under uh, Michael and Christie's ministry, if you getting started in life, to sit down and have a conversation with them about how to properly manage your money. Budget. Con- next is control and get out of debt. Proverbs 22 and 7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. If you've ever been here and you've been in oppressive debt, church, you know that you feel like a slave to that. That's why that scripture is there. You have to control debt, as Christy said. Debt typically comes from not being able to control our wants. And it's part of our fleshly desire to want what we don't have. It really is. We go and see things and we're like, wow, that's nice. You know, I'd like to have that. But you've got to get hold of that and look at that and say, can I afford that? And that's a good rule of thumb. Outside of real estate and at times cars, if you can't pay cash for it, you can't afford it. You just simply can't afford it. And it's okay. If you get that secret of contentment in you, it's okay to dream a little bit and look at it, but just come home and say, no, mm-mm. Because it'll, be, it'll make you happy for a little while, but that payment's coming month after month after month after month. And believe me, once the news wore off the debt and the payment is still there. So control and get out of debt. Look at the next one. It's okay to enjoy your money. If you've worked hard, if you've made an honest gain, if you're saving for your future and you're giving, then you, and you have things to enjoy, enjoy those things. It's okay. I've had to tell myself that many times. I, I, I've told you, Tammy and I have seen come through families that struggled. And so as we've been able to enjoy some of the things by God's hands, and always remember this, if you have anything, it comes from the hand of God. Deuteronomy said it's God that gives us the ability to make wealth. And where people get in trouble is they start thinking, this is me doing this. And it's not. God does it. But enjoy it. Look at uh, Psalms 128 and 2. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. That's where it starts, church. Do you fear the Lord and walk in His ways? And one of the best ways I can know if you're fearing Him and walking in His ways, are you giving to Him? Are you giving to build His kingdom? That tells me a lot about whether or not you fear the Lord and walk in His ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. And Solomon also write in Ecclesiastes 5, 18 through 19. Now, before he wrote these words, he talked about the vanity of chasing wealth. Because Solomon was a wealthy, wealthy man. But he talked about if that's your passion, if that's what's driving you, you're out there, you know people that are just chasing the next dollar. It's going to lead you nowhere. But if you've lived well, and you especially you're giving and you're doing things, this is what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. Five eighteen through 19. Here is what I've seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him. For it is his heritage. 
As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his, ble- his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is a gift from God. It's okay. It's okay to enjoy your life and enjoy the things that, that God has given you. Lastly, plan for the unexpected and the future. I just want to ask a couple questions. Do you have an emergency fund? Do you have some money in case a car breaks down or something happens? If you're self-employed, have you considered health insurance? I know that's a huge burden today, but have you thought about it? How about life insurance? Tammy and I are working with someone right now that was an unexpected death of her husband, and we are watching her struggle financially. There was no life insurance. And life insurance, particularly if you're young people, life insurance is cheap. But I think it's one of those things you just don't think about it. You know, you think about it, but you're like, I'll do that some other day. We don't know what happened. You know what's going to happen tomorrow. We should plan for the future and plan for the unexpected. With that, I'm going to ask Brother Matt Fisher if he'll come forward and, uh, and mention a little bit about that and, and his experience. So I just want to first say I'm really excited to be up here because Larry has been billing all this towards you young people, and he asked me to talk. Um, Well, I I think perhaps being not quite so young, I have some perspective which uh, is is valuable. And, you know, he already showed you the money magazine. And uh, I just want to start by saying I read this when I was in my my 20s because I have what's known as a maniacal mom. My mom is money magazine. My mom is an expert budgeter. She is um, a, a very, very wise financial planner, not professionally, just, you know, for my, my dad and her, uh, to the point where, you know, my dad, he made a pretty decent living by the time, you know, I was, well, probably by the time I was out of college, but uh, he still complains that she won't let me spend any money. But you know what? They're 75. He's been retired for 16 years. They go on a cruise every year. And they're able to do the things that they want to do. They're able to live like, like other people can't. And, and so I give my mom a ton of credit. And the reason I mention that is because when I was young, she taught me how to tithe. She taught me how to budget. And I'm reaping the benefits of that now. So I, I, I'm not so young proof that this does work. Um, and so, you know, Larry asked me just to, to speak a few words, and this will be brief, about preparing for the unexpected. And you've already heard this. You need an emergency fund. Okay? We have an emergency fund. It's not always as big as I'd like it to be, but it's always there. And one of the things that God has uh, done for and through Ann and I over the years is occasionally that emergency fund has helped someone else's emergency, not just our own. And I mean, I praise God for that, right? To be in a position to be able to help somebody when they need it is a, is a great thing. Um, it's a blessing to them, but it's also a blessing to us. Um, and, you know, Michael and Christy also talked about staying within your means. Larry mentioned it. It's absolutely true. Okay? How do you prepare for the unexpected? Don't spend more than you have. And when the unexpected happens, you're in a better position to deal with it. And so, you know, we, we carry one credit card. Okay? We have one credit card between us. And that works great except when the number gets stolen and we have to get a new one. And then we're without a credit card for a little while. And unfortunately, that's happened four times to us in the last ten years. But um, we always pay it off every month. We are teaching our kids, pay it off, pay it off, pay it off. Don't build up debt. And then the thing I want to mention that sort of makes this more spiritual, if you will, is tithe. 
I cannot tell you how God has demonstrated, well, I can tell you because I'm going to tell you how God has demonstrated his faithfulness to us. And I think in a large part, it's because ever since we got married, we have always tithed. Okay, in, in the good times, in the not so good times, we have tithe on our increase. Okay, I'm one of those who believes in tithing on the gross. Okay, I think that's a non-negotiable. The Bible talks about giving God 10% of your increase. I've heard it said, you know, try, try telling that to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Can I pay taxes on the net? Well, no. <laughs> um, but in addition, we tithe on, on anything that comes into our house. Hold. Um, just believing that it is, is faithfulness to give that back to God. Um, so I want to give you three quick examples of things that have happened over the last 12 or so years where unexpected and, and God met our need. Okay, the first one is, how many of you know that having a baby is expensive? Okay. Okay. How many of you know that having a baby without maternity insurance is very expensive? Okay, so back in 2006, we had it going on. Um, we had our own business. We had our own business from 2006 to 2011. We had two kids. They were in elementary school. Ann and I were both working um, contract as engineers for another company. It was good. We had a high deductible health plan because we were a young family, no illnesses, and no, mater no maternity rider. And in November, we find out she's pregnant. I'm going to be real honest and transparent with you. My first reaction was not a positive one. And uh, fortunately, Ryan, uh, he, he is, Ryan is the best thing that has happened to us that we didn't plan for. A lot of good things have happened to us that we did plan for. He's the best thing that's happened to us that we didn't plan for. And God taught us a lot through this. But, you know, all of the prenatal classes, the birth, the delivery, we, we walked out of the hospital with him with not a penny of medical debt. And that's, that's God, okay? He provided that need. It was not part of our budget. Um, the second thing that happened uh, just a couple years later, um, when we were self-employed, we had, our business was, was basically dependent on a single client, okay? We had a bread and butter client who provided the vast majority of our revenue, and then we had a bunch of other smaller clients that was basically just, you know, incremental income. Well, in early 2010, that client said, see ya. And so here we had a business, a two-year-old, two kids who are now in late elementary and middle school, and our income was basically cut in half. And, uh, you know, how do you plan for that? Well, you can have your emergency fund, you can live within your means, but when your income gets cut in half or more, you, you're still left scratching your head going, what do I do? God was good. And um, without going into all the details, I wound up in the job that I'm in now and have been for the last eight years, uh, not working for myself anymore, but God has been very faithful through all of that. And then finally, um, you know, I think a lot of you know, and Larry alluded to it, that you know, we, we have homeschooled. Ever since Jonathan was in seventh grade, um, uh, Anne and Jonathan, I won't say conspired, but they were the ones that drove us to do homeschooling. We, it was a one-year experiment, and we're on year nine of a one-year experiment. Um, but it has, been, it has worked for us. It has been very, very good. Well, you know, homeschooling is, is tough, but homeschooling with two people who are working outside the home is really, really, really tough. And so um, Anne has worked harder than me for the last nine years, but she has homeschooled, and I've been the only breadwinner. And, you know, you make some sacrifices when that happens. I, I'm very blessed to have a good job, but even with a good job and three kids, one in college, one about to go to college, 
you still have to make some sacrifices, but God has been good. And the biggest place that I noticed this is in my house because my house needs painting, it needs new windows, I, I really ought to repour my driveway because it's cracking everywhere. But I don't have the means to do that. But you know what? I, I treat it like, um, like the Israelites in the desert, right? I mean, the shoes didn't wear out for 40 years, the Bible says, right? My house hasn't been painted in 13 years, but it doesn't look that bad. <laughs> and so it's not going to get painted you know, in the near term either. And God is taking care of all of that. And I just bring all this back to the tithe. I think that this is when you trust God and, and do it in a way that he can verify, which he does when he looks at your money, he says, I can bless you you're trusting me and I'm going to take care of you. And that's how we've prepared for the unexpected. Folks, I, and that leads me right into experience the joy of giving. That buying things will make you happy, but giving it away will, will give you joy. And you cannot understand that until you've experienced it. I can tell you that till I'm blue in the face. But it's something you have to experience. You have to know what it's like, like Brother Matt said, to be able to help people. To know that I can help support this congregation. The Bible says bring all the tithe into the storehouse. The tithe belongs right here. This is where I'm fed. This is the, the, you all of the congregation to help raise my kids, to support me spiritually. If I have a crisis in my life, I'm calling Pastor Don. I'm not going to call some uh, televangelist. I'm going to call Pastor Don. I'm going to call you all. You are the one that's going to come to pray for me and help me. And so my, my uh, tithe belongs right here. This is where it belongs. And I wish, you know, people say, well, God don't need our money. That's true, but it's not true. And in, in, in the uh, dispensation where we are now, God relies on his people to advance his kingdom. And pastor could call the power company this week and say, hey, um, we can't pay the power bill. We're a church. They're going to say, that's good. And then we'll come here tomorrow and there won't be no lights on. Okay? It takes money to operate a ministry. And he relies on us to do it. And he gives us clear commands to do it. It is a command of the Lord that we support his ministry, that we support his work. And there is joy in that. Then beyond that, I mean, you, you can give beyond that. But if you'll look at A, and I'm closing, all of the decisions that we make from above, everything from our jobs to how we manage our money, giving should center around it. And I like what Brother Michael said. Hey, my budget is built off 10%, comes off the top. We, years ago when Tammy and I was applying for our first loan, they, they'll do something called a debt to income. And they said, give me all your debts and give me your income. Well, I had... 10% of my church, then as she said, the world, the world will break you, folks. The world will break you. And she said, well, we don't count that. I said, I do. I do. So that stays there. And, and, and it always has, and it works. And you talk to people who've been doing it year after year. Do you, who wants God involved in their finances? You want him involved in your? I want him involved in my finances. But I can't rob him. And I know that's hard. I can't rob him and then say, God, help me out of this mess I'm in. Okay? But maybe you're at a point, look, look where it says um, down at C, it says don't get stuck on 10% either way. I believe in the tithe. I was taught the tithe by my dad. I watched him tithe when he lost his job. There's something supernatural about that. And the tithe is 10%. But maybe you come to the Lord later in life. Maybe things are a mess. I'm not going to say to you don't tithe. Many of these things are led by the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to say to you start somewhere. Start somewhere in those scriptures I have and I'm not, I'm not going to go through them but it, it, Paul said each, each person should decide to lay aside something to give each person, that's all of us we all have that responsibility to give to support 
the kingdom and the work. And there's so much joy in it when you get to that point. That joy comes from two things, mainly blessing and giving other people and knowing that you have the financial freedom to do that. And so many people can't do that because they have gone out and they've stressed themselves to the max with payments and stuff and all this. And then there's, there's no money left. And so I hope that today as we've talked about work, if we've talked about the principles of money management, I hope that you'll take these things and let God, let God guide you in how you're going to manage your money. And, and, I, and, and I heard a quote by Billy Graham. He said this. He said of all the people, he, and he, he talked to thousands and thousands of people, what he found was this. If people manage the money well, the rest of their life seemed to be managed well. Because money, money's going to do one of two things. You're going to control it or it's going to control you. And you can show that you're controlling it when you can give it away. And as Matt said, to take that money out and particularly you find a brother and sister in the Lord that's in need and be able to help them. Paul said, do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. And it's a blessing to be able to help others and to give. And I hope you've gotten something out of this. If you'd like to dig into these things a little more, there's a sign-up sheet. I'm going to ask Brother Matt and the team if they'll come forward. And I want to close with this. We've talked a lot about debt today, and debt is the main thing that will keep you from being able to be financially secure. And it's oppressive. Debt's oppressive. I've seen it, what it does to people. I've seen their life. But I want to close with another debt. I want to close where there's a debt that you can't pay. There's a debt I couldn't pay. I had a sin debt in my life. And if you're here and you're outside the grace of Jesus Christ, you've got a sin debt. And there's nothing more crushing than that. And I remember as a young boy feeling the weight of that as the Holy Spirit began to convict my heart. And I felt the crushing debt of that sin debt. But as we sang this morning, it's well with my soul. Jesus himself took that debt onto a cross. And with his blood, he wrote, canceled. And all you have to do is come to him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I recognize that I'm a sinner. And this sin debt's crushing me. And I want to give it to you. If you're here today and you've never done that, I want you to come forward to the altar. Just simply, all you're doing is simply coming forward and saying, I have a debt, Larry, I can't pay. But he paid it for you. He took that old nasty debt, sinful nature of mine, and he took and he canceled it. And you know, sometimes I still have to come before him because sometimes it still kind of riles its ugly head up. But I come for him again, and he cancels it. I thank God for that. And you're talking about being free. Yes, yeah, good to be financially free, but it ain't nothing like being free from that sin. Nothing like that. And that's where the contentment comes from, church. Because when you have Him, when the, when the power of the gospel, when you know that the King of heaven came down and went through what He went through, what else do I need? I mean, really. Yeah, I enjoy my stuff. We all enjoy our stuff. But I can enjoy it because that's not where my contentment comes from. It's not what makes it well with my soul. What makes it well with my soul is my personal relationship with Christ. And that's what will make it well with your soul. So as they, as they start the music and start the play, I'm just going to wait just a minute. If there's anyone here this morning, you want to come down, you please come down.